0: When we talk about promises, you can't go too far without realizing that God has sent his son as a fulfillment of his promise to make it right. Even if we're the ones that made it wrong. Isn't that right? The most famous portion of Michelangelo's masterpiece in the Sistine Chapel, it took him years to paint, is called The Creation of Adam. In this painting... Uh, Adam reclines on a rock while God is uh, rushing from the clouds, extends his creative finger toward man, and Adam reaches out toward God, and the outstretched fingers almost meet, but it never really shows them touch. Contrast that image with the beauty of the incarnation, we realize God becomes flesh, so he might not only be close to his creation, but also live among us, fully human and fully divine. God didn't just reach out and touch man. He reached out and became man. That's the picture of the incarnation. I mean, this picture, it took, it took him over four years. In fact, for those of you that uh, know a little bit about it, and I, I looked that up a little bit, and I realized it took him over four years to paint it. And in fact, he never considered himself to be a painter. He was more of a sculptor. He was working on... Uh, he was working on another project when they asked him to do this and he actually hesitated. He didn't want to do it. But they asked him and he did it. And this has become one of the most famous paintings uh, in all the world. And yet we still find ourselves looking at it incomplete because God never touched man. Well, that is until God became a baby. God Became a baby. I thought I'd get an amen on that one. That was pretty good. God became a baby. And you know, there's a few things that can interrupt a life like the call of God. Is that right? The call of God in your life can interrupt you. And add an unexpected birth with a virgin. And then like throw in a Messiah in there. And you got quite the storyline that Hollywood has taken advantage of a few times quite a storyline and I ran across a statement that's interesting. Isn't it amazing? Here's a statement. Isn't it amazing that a baby born in a stable 2,000 years ago can cause traffic jams today? <laughs> Have you been to Walmart? The span between Malachi and Matthew or Malachi, if you're Italian, maybe. Malachi and Matthew lasted. Lasted about 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. It's called the silent years. It's called the silent years because there was a moment where God became silent. Not dead, not distant, just silent. Sometimes the best way that I can discipline my children is just to be silent for a moment. They realize, why is it silent? Is there something wrong? What am I missing? And then they look at you and they go, oh, something's wrong. And I realized that I kind of think that that's what God was doing. He was saying a lot of things and people weren't listening. Saying a lot of truth and people decided not to listen. And so he became silent. He became silent to the point where one day people were going, he must have left us. They recognized God is silent. He's not speaking to us. And then he spoke up with a loud boom. That boom was in the form of a baby. Not the baby boom, that's something different. But a boom in the form of a baby that made a dent in history and repaired the one we could not repair ourselves. Are you getting where I'm going with this? He made a dent in man's plans but undented what man had removed. And that's the connection between God and man. God, four hundred years later, spoke to the baby. And when God broke his silence, he did it magnificently, didn't he? He didn't just use uh, somebody very political, as some people thought. He used a lowly teenage girl named Mary. Don't let it. Don't get it twisted. Some of the movies like a twenty-something-year-old woman. No, it was a young girl. A little town nobody really paid much attention to. Many people had really strayed away from the faith. At this point, God had been silent for 400 years. The temple had become a marketplace. Sacrifices were offered for the sake of obligation. And tradition was the main reason people embraced their faith. Not because they meant it, but because they needed to. Rather than little... Just literal hunger for God. The message I want to bring this morning is simply entitled this. Divine interruption. Divine interruption. It's the fourth part and the final part of our series. Do you see what I see? Today we're talking about do you see the virgin? Do you see the virgin? And this virgin girl who was who was supposed to marry Joseph? Who had supposedly got everything lined up, good to go? She was betrothed to him. She was supposed to marry him, and all this stuff was lined up. You ever had everything lined up? But then God. Have you ever been divinely interrupted? Have you ever been in a situation where where uh, you know, you thought you had everything figured out? Then God divinely interrupts you and says. That's a nice plan, but let me tell you what I really think should go down. And it's so much better. But we often don't see it, do we? Can you imagine what she experienced that day? She was frightened. She was divinely interrupted by God's will. Divinely interrupted by God's angel. And disturbed. I love how uh, the Bible uses... To describe Mary's situation as confused and disturbed. Has anyone ever felt these two things before? No looking at your spouse. Have you ever felt, you, have you ever felt confused and disturbed ever? You know, God's divine interruption brings confusion and disturbed individuals sometimes. But not for long. Stay close. Listen closely because His voice... Brings clarification. You see, it was at this point she was approached by the angel. The first words out of his mouth was fear not. You know, you know, I don't know about you, but I've never been interrupted in the middle of the night by an angel. But I would really hope that his first words to me would be fear not. Not words like you did it again. <laughs> or I'm here to take you. You know, those things scare me more. Just a little bit. But see, when an angel comes out of nowhere and pronounces to you that you're going to have a baby, even though you haven't been with a man, it's a pronouncement. It wasn't permission. Did you get that? It was a pronouncement. It wasn't permission. He you want my will, right? You will submit to this. I'm not asking your permission. You already gave me permission when you gave me your life. Stop feeling like you have to give God permission to be a part of your life. If you gave him your life, you gave him permission. So when he interrupts you, he doesn't have to ask. He's already been given permission when you said yes, Lord. Let's, get, let's not move away from that. Let's not move away from the fact that when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to his plan. You said yes to his time. You said yes to his way. Talk about divine interruption. She had everything lined up. I got my hubby, my bae, my boo. She had everything lined up. Stuff was lining up. We got to save the date. Got in the mail, right? Save the date. Sent out all the texts. Are you going to my shower? All this stuff is ready. And all of a sudden, oh, that's... uh tony for uh, an angel appeared and a scandal broke out can you imagine what the town was like i'm pregnant but i've never been with joseph right what do you mean you have a baby yet you've not been with a man the authenticity of the virgin birth is not without debate or discussion in fact 90 years ago the controversy over the virgin birth tore denominations and Christian churches apart it ranked up there with resurrection second coming it's fundamentals of faith we gotta believe it church listen to me we have to believe this we have to understand that it's fundamental if there was no virgin birth we're dead in our sins right here right now if there's no resurrection we're dead in our sins right here right now if there's no second coming everything we've been taught for what what are we doing what we're doing for you realize that those are important core truths for us as believers. We can't lax or move on this. Then there was the Jesus Seminar. For those of you that don't know what the Jesus Seminar was, in case you're wondering, such views uh, that maybe such views were outdated, and that was back in the day that they try to dismiss the virgin birth. Look at me for a moment. Let me update you on the situation because about 30 years ago, around 1985, a group of liberal scholars began meeting, and they try to determine whether the true words of Jesus were actually true. The words of Christ. And they voted on these teachings of Christ using colored balls. And in fact, what they would do is, if it was black, it meant that the statement was definitely not genuine. If it was pink, it it, it meant that it was probably, um, probably was true. And then red meant it was definitely genuine. And this was when society turned its back and intellect turned its back on God. And this is where I believe the term black ball came from. Because they determined at that point, 30 over, over 30 years ago, Jesus Seminar blackballed Jesus and they basically said the virgin birth never happened. And one went on to say, I don't know a minister that uh, that's intelligent that would actually believe that. They blackballed Jesus. You blackball the virgin birth to say it's not genuine. You realize that we are all in here for the wrong reason then? We all are wasting our time. But I assure you today, there is one minister that stands at this pulpit right here, right now. That believes in the virgin birth. That believes that he's coming back again. That believes in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And he is coming back again. But I also believe that there was a virgin birth. That Jesus came and he came through a virgin. How does this happen? How does that... Because if you attack the birth... You attack the baby. The miracle, then you attack the man. Listen, there was a savior that was born from a virgin that was fully God and fully man. We can look back and say that makes perfect sense now. Right? She was touched by God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born in a natural way. Fully God, fully man sense. But for those during that day, it did not make sense at all. In fact, the early church, early, early church, like around Mary's time, they had a hard time with it. But for many, many, many years post-Jesus, people believed the virgin birth. Today I want to tell you, do you see the virgin birth? Do you see the virgin? It is important that you see What I see this morning is the importance of understanding that God became man through a virgin girl who submitted her will to the Father. And each of us should do the same. So what am I talking about? One can't deny that the early church believed it. Furthermore, the doctrine has always been considered one of the fundamental doctrines, but there's still some today that may question it. I don't know. But I want to tell you that this divine interruption that we're talking about this morning... This divine interruption was also, number one, a divine miracle. A divine miracle. If you're writing, if you're taking down notes, there's three thoughts I'm going to share with you. Here we are. Number one, it was a divine miracle. A divine miracle. Luke tells us uh, of what the angel told her. He said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Watch this. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus Never said, can you do me a favor and think about, consider this thing. See, I love when people tell me uh, that they're pregnant because I often throw my name into the uh, mix. I'm like, yeah, feel free to name him, Tony. You know, I just want you to know that you're available to do that. (laughs) They never take me up on it, but. He says, you will name him Jesus and he will be a very great And he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. But he never said how or why. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Israel was looking for a political savior. To save them from their sinful oppressors. Not their sins. Right? They were kind of looking for a savior, a political savior uh, that's only temporary. A political savior that will take care of me now. But God had a bigger picture. God had a bigger view. And he says, if I just save you now, I can't save you later. But I can I I, I can't. I can bring you one and give you one that will save you for, real, for all eternity. And that's why Jesus came. He didn't come the way they thought. But that's not important right now. Because what we're talking about is the virgin. The virgin saw the promise and she said, Okay, so he's coming to take the throne of his ancestor David. That sounds political, doesn't it? Right? Because David was king and he reigned on a very real and physical throne. But the message was deeper. Just like Christ was thinking deeper. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. How? Not the way they thought, but the way God saw the need. How many know that God sees the need before you see your need? Israel didn't see it. Mary's response was to be expected. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. And Gabriel then responded, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will what? It's important you see the word overshadow. It's important. Because her, her being overshadowed here changes. And I'll talk about that in a moment. He says this, So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Luke one thirty five. Then he utters these powerful words. For the Lord, for the word of God will never fail. Verse 37. For the word of God will never fail. That's a reminder for you today. Look at me. The word of God will never fail. What he's told you, what he's promised you, what he's given you, what he's offered you, it will never fail. It will never fail. The divine miracle. So let's talk about it zero on this moment where he says it will never fail because isn't it true that everything else in this world fails hello systems fail our health fails the government technology people I fail you fail failure is inevitable and it's an absolute fact of life we all fail at things from one point in time to another but hear me the word of god is very clear god will never fail he can't fail so let's focus on the word overshadow for a moment overshadow was used in that verse where the holy spirit the most high the, spirit, the power of the most high will overshadow you luke 135 no one really knows how God did that. But in her body, Gabriel uses very discreet, non-specific language. And he says the Holy Spirit, rather the power of the Most High, which is the Holy Spirit, will overshadow you. And I want you to understand something. The verb overshadow, you might want to write this down at some point. The word overshadow, it's a verb that speaks out of the direct personal presence of God. The word overshadow in the original text meant the personal presence of God. God personally met Mary in that location. The same verb was used in the Mount of Transfiguration. The same verb was used to uh, to describe how Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were on the mountain. Did you get this? How Peter, James, and John were on the mountain there and then they heard the cloud speak. This is my son, the Holy One, born and will be called the Son of God. It's a pure miracle and nobody can duplicate it. But let me say something very quickly. No one can ever absolutely duplicate something like this. Only the powerful presence of God, personal presence of God can overshadow in this situation. Number two, it's a worthy following. If we look close enough, we realize that the New Testament explicitly teaches that Jesus was to be born of a virgin. Let me show you some form, for those of you taking notes, Matthew 1, Luke 1. The Bible talks about how how he 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 was born of a virgin. A virgin. Mary was that virgin through the Holy Spirit. The Word of God backs that. And let me go more into the Word of God. And the third thought is simply this. This uh, divine interruption was also confirmed by God's Word. Confirmed by God's Word. If we look at these verses of Scripture here, we realize that God had already had a plan. And we kind of talked about this early in this series. We talked about how God already had a plan in Genesis to make up for man's error. Right? Genesis 3:15 says that the Messiah will be born of the seed of a woman. But the woman has no seed in themselves. They must come from the man, and such an unusual phrase has long been misunderstood, has been understood by Christian theologians as an early reference to the virgin birth. This has been ongoing for a long time. So we look at Genesis. Then we look at Isaiah 7.14. Clearly predicts that a virgin will conceive and bear a son called Emmanuel. God with us. The angel who appears to Joseph in a dream quotes this passage as proof that the virgin birth is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Do you see the virgin? Do you see God's plan? Watch this. John 1.14. John 1.14 tells us that the word became flesh. God became man. Last night we were gathered here in this room. We had a great turnout last night. It was fabulous. And in this room we celebrated when God became man. And as I look across the room with these candles, I realize that each one of these candles represent a life. And we were to hold our life up and be a light to let the world know that God has made a way. God became man. See the Bible focuses on the baby Not the birth Everybody wanted to focus on how The Messiah was going to come Let's not focus on how The Messiah came I want to focus on the fact that the Messiah came So you look at every movie And every movie has a different interpretation Of what that looked like right How many realize that after a while It's like there's not really one There's one that you may like more than the other Right I like this version of that How many Jesus movies have you ever seen and every crucifixion looks a little bit different. Why? The method and certain things will be lined up. But watch this. You realize that the story doesn't change? The story was not how he was crucified. The story was that he was crucified. The story is not how the birth took place. The fact was that there was a baby. And no matter how we tell the story... There was a baby. That divinely interrupted man. That divinely interrupted woo man. That Mary found herself divinely interrupted by God's agenda. You ever been there? I have multiple times. And I've enjoyed the fruit of being obedient in that divine interruption. There is fruit in divine interruption. See, we look at interruption negatively, right? Right? Don't interrupt me. Don't stop what I'm doing. But when man's doing wrong, an interruption from God is the best thing. The only thing. The first thing we need is God to divinely interrupt man to say, stop what you're doing. Because I see where you're going. A divine interruption from God, friends, is an answer to prayer. Not a breaking of his promise. And there are times, look at me, there are times in your life that you see a divine interruption as God's judgment on you. You ever had a plan that didn't kind of pan out the way you thought? You ever had your family lined up a certain way and God says, I got a different plan. Work with me on this. I see the big picture. And you don't just, you need an attitude adjustment and you need a, Altitude adjustment. Let me see it the way God sees it. A divine interruption. I don't know about you, but I need and constantly need a divine interruption. Don't consider that interruption to be a bad thing. When our lives are interrupted by God, it's because He sees what we don't see. Do you see what He sees? Do you see what he sees? See, it'll be good for you to see what I see. Because as I studied, as I prepared, and as I put this message together just for you, I thought to myself, I hope they see what I see. But more importantly, I hope you walk away this holiday, this Christmas season, this season about the Savior. Do you see what he sees? He saw a virgin. He saw an opportunity. There was a young girl who gave herself already to God. Said, I'm yours. He didn't have to knock and say, hey, would you consider this thought? Hey, would you consider this opportunity? He said, I got a plan. You will, you will, you will. X, Y, Z. Right? Because he didn't have to ask permission. Because they gave permission. When they said, Jesus, I do. Right? Right? When you said, Jesus, I do. Uh, uh, forgive me. Divine interruption is what we all need. We all must embrace the idea that God became flesh. So what does it mean? Here it is. When I was young, I remember, I don't know how many of you remember this, but life is full of interruptions. And when I was a kid, I used to hate to see this. This is before DVRs. Can't fast forward it. Right? I would be. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special bulletin. This is only a test. Annoyed yet? <laughs> Interrupt my show. And they never went back. They interrupted it. They never paused it. You'd have to wait till next year or the next time they showed it or go to the video store. Remember that? Video stores? Back to the story. We are interrupted by life and things. The emergency broadcast system was a necessary thing. That's the way they give us information in case something was terribly wrong. You have to test it. He has to test you. Once in a while, you have to be interrupted so that we know when God speaks, I'm listening. I hated it. I hated being interrupted. You hate it. You hate being interrupted by God. I get it, because I do too. Well, let me tell you something today: divine interruption is an answer to prayer. It's an answer to prayer. Stop seeing divine interruption as God messing with your plans. Well, He is, but stop seeing it in a negative sight. The entire Old Testament is a buildup, the story of mankind's fall. God's promise and waiting and waiting. And about two thirds of the Bible is dedicated to waiting and fulfilling one promise. The Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah is coming. And now in this modern era, we found ourselves again, waiting, waiting for injustices to be made right, waiting for suffering to be comforted, waiting for the world's Hungry and starving to be fed. Waiting for the wrongs to be made right. The wars to end. The the diseases to be eradicated. For godless people to come off of their political high horses. And the word of God still causes us to wait. We wait and we wait. Here's the good news. Jesus was already born. He already died. He already resurrected. He is accessible to you today. That is if you know him. If you don't know him, then he's not accessible as quickly as you think he is. But if you can make him your savior and your Lord, he's ready to give you a divine interruption today that will be for all eternity. Let me make it very clear. You need a fresh touch of God's presence this holiday. You need a fresh touch of God's presence this Christmas. So if you can't find what you're looking for in the things, why don't you look to the one who gives all things? See, Jesus was God before time began. Is that right? Jesus was God before time began. And his heart received the sin's first blow. Did you know that? That God was the first one to suffer for man's sins? The moment we disobeyed. His heart was broken. We didn't see right away. We saw it when he finally approached us. And he finally kicked us out of the garden. And he finally said, man, you've messed up. But guess what? As I talked about in my first part of this series, he didn't address us as quickly as he addressed the devil. That I already had a plan in place. And your, your head will be crushed. You will bruise the heel, but he will crush your head. That he being Jesus. That he is in you and that he was born on that day in the city of Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. So my final thought is simply this. God established his kingdom on earth by laying down his life so that all men can experience life. That's what he did and that's what he's doing. Today, understand this truth. That in our hearts, in our lives, we find ourselves with the opportunity here today. I pose to you this opportunity. Here it is. You ready? Eyeballs right here. Follow. Each of us. Each of us have heard the story at some point in time. God became man. There was a day that maybe you didn't know that. There was a day that maybe you found Jesus. But maybe there's somebody in this room that hasn't found that day yet. Are you with me? Maybe there's somebody in this room this morning that has never met the Savior. This morning is a wonderful opportunity to discover that. It's Christmas. What better time than right here, right now, to say I want to discover the true meaning behind what it is this whole thing's about. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads across this room today. And if you're someone who doesn't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to consider Christ to be your Lord today. I want to pray a prayer. Hopefully it will move your heart to move toward his. Father, in Jesus' name, if there's anyone listening to my voice right now, may they tune me out and hear your voice in these next few moments. Nudge them and let them know that your divine interruption is exactly what they need.